Thank you so much. Good evening. Um, I'm quite nervous tonight. I don't know why I'm so nervous. Uh, I think I've grown to become used to being uncomfortable in my line of work. Uh, no Sunday is ever comfortable, and uh, I've become used to it over the last five years. just wanted to quickly say, firstly, I felt so welcome the second I came through the gate. So just thank you so much for the way you guys have welcomed us. Um, I don't know if you always do that, if you were prepped really well or, or what, what the guys did, but we felt super loved. So thank you so much for that. And uh, Leonard, thank you for, I don't know what you were thinking, but thank you for letting me come in here. Um, it's a huge privilege. Um, and I'm just standing, I'm thinking, man, I'm so nervous. And I'm thinking, why am I nervous? And it's because I'm actually pretty inadequate when it comes to um, being ready to bring the Lord's word. Um, and I'm so desperately in need of his presence and his spirit to flow. And I think that is why he loves having us in uncomfortable places so that he can use us and that all of him can come through us in those moments. And um, that's why I say it's kind of like you get used to being uncomfortable because the Lord doesn't really use you in your comfort zones. He kind of uses you when you're uncomfortable. And uh, I don't know if that was a heavy way to start, but uh, I said to guys last Sunday, you know, I, I sort of did a bit of a loaded question. I said, who wants to be used by God? You know, who wants Jesus to use them powerfully? I mean, I'm kind of asking you guys now. <laughs> So, and then what came after that is, do you know that he does nothing for you in your comfort zone? Jesus has nothing for you in a place of comfort. And if we look at the story of the disciples and when the Lord called these people and uh, whatever he did where he wanted to establish himself and make himself known to the world, it was always in a place where they couldn't, but he could. And that's a little bit of my story and, and it's the story of my life, every day of my life. And I, I hope to share that with you tonight. I did say to Leonard, I really hope you're not wanting a profound, uh, like, preach in the sense of unpacking theology because I'm not the guy. But what I can do is I can share my story of how Jesus took hold of my life. <laughs> I'm getting emotional. <laughs> Sorry, that's going to happen a few times. How Jesus took hold of my life and turned it upside down. And for some reason, for some reason, Jesus to use me. And I was just listening, you know, the way we were worshiping tonight. It's amazing just to hear the passion and, and the desire to worship Jesus. And I'm just thinking, oh, Jesus, I pray that we, that our, our passion to worship you is matched by the way we've laid on our lives as well. That we don't just give you lip service, Jesus. We don't just sing the songs. We don't just say the right words. But, Lord, may our, may our worship and our passion be matched with the way we've laid on our lives for you. Jesus, and the more we lay our lives down for you, may our passion for you increase, because those two have to go together, can't be the one or the other, and uh, I just felt such a stirring of, of faith and passion here with you guys, I mean, I don't know when last I had such incredible worship, I mean, our worship's really amazing, so besides ours at home, <laughs> you guys were really cool, uh, but it was just wonderful, and, and it's so cool to be here. Um, I want to quickly introduce myself. I don't want to talk about myself. Um, I've got two beautiful girls, um, Kimba and Donabel. She's just left. I don't know why she's going. Um, they are, ele thank you, They're getting me tissue. They used to me crying, you see. Uh, 11 and 9, and then I've got a beautiful wife who helped us make beautiful girls um, at home, and her name's Sherry. Um, she's too pregnant to travel at the moment, so... She's at home, uh, she wishes she could be here, and that's going to be our little boy in Feb, so we can't wait. Um, we're very excited for that. Uh, I lead a church in Richards Bay called Kingdom Community Church, and uh, I'm going to share a bit of my story with you guys, but it's really not my story. It's really just uh, what the Lord has done in spite of me, and um, yeah, I, I sort of, I'm excited. I'm excited to see um, what he's going to do what he's going to deposit through his spirit, really, not through me, actually. And uh, now, let's see what he does. So I did say recently, you know, my, my, um, my journey with the Lord kind of started in Stellenbosch. And that was because I met my wife here. Um, she was studying fashion design. Um, told Leonard earlier, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I was studying the nightlife. Uh, I was very unsaved. <laughs> And, uh, and she, I met her, and she said to me, um, the first night I met her, she said, if you don't take me to church, uh, we don't have a future. And I thought, she knew I was unsaved, she could see it. 
and um, it was obvious. And uh, I thought, well, I really like this girl, so I'm going to find a church, and I'm going to I'm going to take her to church because I really want to spend time with her, and that's what I did. I, for, I did that, and for about two years, we went to church, and I just I was thinking, man, I wish there was a Josh Jen in Stellenbosch when I sort of first met Jesus, because it would have changed my walk with the Lord in those initial phases quite a bit. And um, we went to a church, we went there for about two years, and long story short, we eventually went, uh, uh, one of the trips I went to visit my boot in PE, he's part of Oxygen Life, um, Brad threw out the net and I got saved. And uh, I remember just him throwing out the net and I just couldn't resist the call of Jesus anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't, I knew it was life. I knew the Lord had something, but I didn't want to give up my life. I didn't want to give up my stuff and the things that, that was nice for me. Uh, and and it, it was just, I couldn't resist him anymore. And then I got saved, came back to the church we, was, we were part of here. And uh, I struggled with it. I struggled with um, starting to read my Bible and reading about relationship and stuff like um, if you live in the light, as he's in the light, you'll have true fellowship with one another and found it too easy to cover up sin and there was no accountability and it was just not what I was seeing. And um, a few, uh, two years later, a year later, I uh, bought a house in Parklands. It was a good area back then and uh, it's still a good area. And, uh, and I, w- I moved there and um, a, a friend of mine, um, Mark, he said to me, listen, now that you're going to be living here, come and visit our church, Josh Jen. Just come see what it's like. And, uh, and we've been just feeling like there's something missing in church. And so we did. Picked up my, my now wife, my girlfriend back then. And I said, come, we're going to go to church. She's still studying. I said, we're going to go to church in Josh Jen. And I remember, um, why am I so emotional? What's going on with me? I remember walking in the doors. And within the first five minutes, I knew that this is what we've been looking for. This is exactly what I gave my life to Jesus for. Because, you know, it's often been said what you get saved into is way more important than what you've gotten saved out of. And I just remember thinking, oh, Jesus, thank you. That, thank you, loving. <laughs> That's Kimber. I just remember thinking, Jesus, thank you that we found a home, that, that, that we found somewhere that we can belong and do life in the way that we see it in the Bible. And I'm not saying Josh is a perfect church, and you guys are not a perfect church, um, but we love Jesus. We love him passionately. We lay, lay our lives down for him. Daily, the word says, daily we pick up our cross. And I love that you shared that word about the cross. You know, not staying at the cross. Jesus died for us, but he died for us to move from the cross and pick up our cross, and go. He, he, that's why he died for us, to, to live a life with him, and for, for him to be, or for us to be with him. All right, so, yeah, and I, I just wanted to share this with you, like, I think when I properly met Jesus, I realized that there was a bit of a challenge, because I, um, I realized that everything I'd ever desired in my life, or anything that I'd ever planned um, anything that I'd ever hoped for, suddenly it kind of changes now because what my desires are are suddenly a little bit dim now in, in light of eternity. Who's ever felt that? And I, and I suddenly the, the, the trajectory, that's a big word. For me, it's a big word. Is that right? Where I'm heading is suddenly different. Or it should be at least. And, and my plans as it was before I met Jesus cannot be the same anymore without Jesus. And I can't serve him now having found him by who I used to be. I've got to die to that person. You know, and, and, and I love the words that were coming through worship because you guys didn't know what I was sharing on. But I love how even when Jesus called the disciples, he said to them, he said to the fishermen, come and leave, sorry, not come and leave. He said, leave your nets and come and follow me. And you think like, have you ever thought, why did he say leave your nets? If you think about it, like why did Jesus say to them, Leave your nets and come and follow me. If you had to think about it. So before Jesus came to them, what were they known as? Fishermen. And so what does he say to them? He says, leave the thing that identifies you and follow me. Because the interesting thing is that that many times afterwards, the disciples still fished again. They had to find new nets. But it wasn't the thing through which they followed Jesus. 
It wasn't the fishermen that followed Jesus. It was two broken men sitting on the beach that got up that saw the hope in this man's eyes. That said, I will follow you and I'll leave the thing that identifies me behind. And, that, and that's kind of the vein of the message I want to share with you guys today. Because so often I think we, you know, we come to the Lord and we start so well. We, we go, oh Lord, I'm, you know that treasure in the field that you, have to, that you buy? That, that man that came across the treasure in the field. And, and he found this treasure in the field. And when he found it, he went away and sold all he had in order to obtain the treasure. That's what the kingdom's like. That's the story. So you find this treasure, you find Jesus. But there's a price tag. And the price tag is everything. It's not some of it. It's everything. And, and we can start off so well. But to me, somehow in our walk with the Lord... Because somehow we sell off pieces of our field again. Because we've pick, picked up parts of our life again. Picked up parts of our identity. What if identifies me in the world? And it's a tough one because you guys are all students. And I'm young too, just like you. <laughs> that rhymed, un, unplanned. But it's a tough one because you've got your whole life ahead of you. I've got my whole life ahead of me too. Even though I'm 38. But it's a, it's a hard one because you're planning your life right now. And even if you're working or, you, or you're 45 and working, you, you plan your life. And there's different parts where it, it's, you come to the point you realize, oh, Lord, I've picked up parts of what identifies me in this world and I've forgotten my identity in you. And you realize, oh, Lord, I, I need to let go of that again because I cannot be identified in me. I've got to be found in you. I can only follow you through who I am in you, resurrected in Christ. Is that okay? Does that make sense? I'm not on my notes right now. I learned from Andrew very well. And so, um, so my story really starts with, with that, finding a healthy church and ha having many plans in my life. I, I had this problem even when my wife met me. I wanted to be famous. Um, I, I really did. I wanted to be well known. And it's not going so well at the moment. So... And I wanted to be wealthy, and I wanted, I wanted, I did want, and some, the stuff, you know what I'm talking about, and, and for some reason I thought I could have that stuff and serve the Lord, and for much of my years in serving the Lord, I thought I could have those things and serve the Lord, and I couldn't understand why it was so difficult for me to do the difficult things that God asked me to do, the things that required faith. And, and it's like later I realized it was because I was trying to serve Him through my ability rather than the faith that he's given me to do the things that I actually can't do. And I had to start learning to stop chasing my, my desires, my dreams. And, and the Lord in my story had to take me on a journey at some point where I actually literally could not make my own plans anymore. And in, in Proverbs, I'm going to make a legit preach quickly and I'm going to give you a, a, a verse. In Proverbs 16, um, you Ryan, eh? Thanks, Ryan. I'm good with names. So, Ryan, Ryan. So, Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And isn't that amazing? It's like the Lord says, listen, I'm going to put some stuff in your hearts, and I'm going to make you um, desire certain things and dream certain things. But I'm the only one that will establish what I want to establish and what I want to establish for you. Not you. But you know what the danger of that very thing is? Just like me, for years, you can go around planning and trying to establish, and planning and trying to establish, and planning and trying to, but nothing's being established. And many people actually spend their lifetimes thinking that they've established something, but only the Lord can establish something that's everlasting, not you. And so you might even have the external appearance in your accumulated wealth or in um, what you've, whatever you've done or, you know, the car that you, the Roy Ferrari or whatever it is. And now somehow I've established my plans. But the thing at the end of the day, what the Lord's going to ask you is, did you allow me to establish my plans over your life? Because I've given you some plans, but what I've asked you actually is to hold them like this. Not like this with a hammer and a chisel, trying to chisel your own way through life. And that's the thing, you can, you've got a choice. You can 
Spend your whole life thinking you're establishing yourself. But at the end of the day, the Lord's going to ask you, did I establish through you what I wanted for you? And for my kingdom, really. Because at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's about him and his kingdom. And so uh, I was in business uh, for quite a long time in Tableview. And uh, my wife, uh, being a fashion designer, we had a fashion design company. I know you wouldn't say so by the way I'm dressed. But... Um, we had a, a menswear clothing range, she had a women's wear, and it was very successful. We did very well. And for, somehow, seemingly, it seemed like we were establishing some of the plans that the Lord had for us, and it, it was going well. And even financially, we were kind of doing okay, and our coffee shop was doing all right, and both my girls were sort of raised in that shop, and, and it was like life is good. And then things start falling apart. First, I think, well, this one business is doing well, so in my wisdom, I'm going to let go of this one to apply myself more to that one. And all along, I'm in the life of the church, a pumping church, a wonderful church. But my plans are my plans. My desires are my desires. And I'm holding my plans like this. And so I say, well, okay, I'm going to, both businesses are doing well, I'm going to give this one away, it's taking too much of my time, and this one's got more potential, and so I'm going to get into, to throw myself fully in my wife's business, and we do that, and that one was doing phenomenally well. The first month that I've done that, we lose, this is now just today, this is not a lot of money, but this is 10 years ago, it was a lot of money, okay. First month, we lose 30 grand in our turnover. Next month, 30 grand again, off with the other 30 grand. The next month, another 30 grand. And our turnover just does this for six months. And I'm thinking, but Lord, I thought this was your plan. But I don't even realize that he's kind of trying to say to me that this is not my plan. But I've, I'm so stuck on my plans that I can't even hear the Lord saying to me, this is not my plan. And I'm still trying to make my plan work. You see, the, the thing is, we've got to be able to hear the Lord because we hold our plans like this. The longer you've been holding it like this, the more the Lord's saying to you, that was actually not my plan because he's a merciful God and he's gracious and he wants to establish you. He wants to establish, not sorry, not you, his plans for you. <laughs> not you. And because he's gracious and he loves you and he wants you to be a part of what he wants to do, he's going to try and speak to you. But the longer you've been doing this, the more difficult it's going to be for you to hear him. And that's a challenge for you guys, I think for many of you, Studying at the moment, with your careers ahead of you, your lives ahead of you. You know, for many of you, you're thinking, well, where am I moving from Stellenbosch? To me, I'm thinking, why would you want to move from this place? This is like, you know. For many of you, you're thinking, well, economically, where can I earn the, the highest salary so that I can serve the kingdom with my finances? <laughs> Be honest. Be honest. Because it's a nice thought. But you know how quickly serving the kingdom with your finances becomes you serving your finances? Very quickly. And you've lost focus on why the Lord has even put you where he's put you. And I've got some ideas around why the Lord even gives us work, which is I'm not going to even go down that road right now. But at the end of the day, it's only about us laying down our lives at the feet of Jesus and worshiping him. That's why we were created. You were not made to have a career. You were not created to become a doctor or an actuary or a pastor. I was created to have my life poured out at the feet of Jesus and to worship him with everything. Nothing else. And if the Lord moves you to become a doctor or an actuary, then you are. George, is there George here? No. George, I'm, just say there's a George. <laughs> you are George. Loved by Jesus. Having been found by his mercy and his grace. Having poured your life down, out at his feet. Being risen again in Jesus. Empowered by his Holy Spirit. Flat out living for him. And you're an actuary. 
And you guys laugh, but that's what it is. I'm not headed the pastor. I'm headed the man that Jesus saved. The one morning I woke up behind the casino in PE, not remembering how I got there, knowing I've got this empty void. Like, I need a savior. I need something because all this life, like, popular lifestyle of going out and partying is getting me nowhere. I need Jesus. I need someone. I need something. I didn't even know what I needed. I'm that person that Jesus saved radically. And today I live for him passionately. Every morning I wake up and I think, Lord, help me to live as one that's been poured out at your feet. That's picking up my cross today. Holy Spirit, would you fill me again today? Lord, may I be used in spite of me in whatever way you want to use me today while being a pastor. I'm not identified even by that. You can't be identified by the stuff you do on the earth. Oh, I, and I, I don't know if I can say that enough. You can never be identified by what you do on the earth. You're identified by Jesus in and through you. Can you open this for me? Please. What's your name? Dom. Awesome. Cool name. All right, so I'm really going just on the fly here. I'm sharing what I am feeling. I don't know if that's going to stand. <laughs> Let's see if it stands. <laughs> Has that happened before and not stood there? Let me do this then. I'm going to kick that over. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we be a cup holder. <laughs> anyway, so long story short, I found myself after business going to nowhere, going to nothing. How much time have I got? I'm okay. You guys are gonna tell me. So I found myself no business. Business is going nowhere at the age of I think I was 35 years old, sitting in a because we had to let go of the beautiful beachfront apartment we had. We couldn't afford it. Had to move to town to a lovely area that I won't name because it, some people think it's lovely. I don't think so. And I think it's terrible. And we're living there in a 40-something square meter little place with my two beautiful girls. And they are sharing a bedroom, which they love because they're best friends. And my wife and I... <laughs> no, they are. They are best friends. Yes, they decided to share. You see, the glass half full, always. And, uh, and we're staying in this tiny little place. And we moved from... I'm a surfer... We moved from beachfront, I can see the surf spot, I can see, I've got a garden to braai in, it's beautiful views over Table Mountain, it's fantastic to my, my braai area now, no jokes, is from them to here and up to here and a little square. And then it's got a two meter wall and a two meter wall and a two meter wall. And then I've got two doors that open up like this and then I can see the wall. And that was... <laughs> That was my bright area. And I remember just, whoa. I remember just standing there and one day brying, because I love to bry. And I stood there and I'm watching this wall and there's, at least there was a Bogan Villa on the one side. And I'm, and I'm brying and I remember just crying. And I'm like, Lord, like, I, I, I so wanted more than this and I don't know what to do. And I remember the Lord saying to me, if this is all you've ever got for the rest of your life, is that okay with you? And I was like, oh. I was like, but Lord, I, I was like, God, I, I so desire to, and I, I'm a good dad, so I so desire to build my kids a tree house one day in a beautiful tree, and I so desire for them to have a big yard to run in, and Lord, I, I, I'd love a pool one day, because, you know, and I'm thinking, but I live in Cape Town, I mean, where, how much do you have to earn to have that, but that's my desires, and because that's what I'm, I'm thinking according to my own frame of mind, and I remember the Lord again saying to me, well, if this is all you've got, even though you want that, is that okay with you, and will you still serve me? And will you still love me? Will you still lay your life down for me? Thinking, I can't lay down more stuff, but, it, but it's fine. Are you okay? 
Sweetheart, he needs a tissue. <laughs> and so, and so, and I just remember there was a moment, there was a moment where I, I stopped and I said, Lord, I will. I will. And I remember this, it was the most incredible feeling of peace and love and contentment for the first time in my life that I'd never felt before. And all of a sudden, I started appreciating the fact that I've even got a bri. All of a sudden, the fact that we weren't sharing a bedroom with them was something that I was like, this is amazing. The fact that I could walk to work because I was in town, bless the Lord, was a, a good thing for me. And suddenly, I found godly contentment. And then I went through the worst time of my life after that. Because that was the start of the Lord stripping everything that I'd ever held on to to build my identity in Him. And He was just taking it away and taking it away and taking it away. I literally went through the worst life, life worst year of my life. So much so that I, 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 I remember sitting on my couch in the lounge and just crying and thinking, I don't even know what to do. I can't get up. I don't know. I can't help my wife with the business because that's gone. She had to go find a job. I had to go find a job for the first time in five years. I had to go work for guys my age. It was very difficult. It was humbling. But the Lord was doing something. And then at the end of that year, my wife and I are praying. And because um, now we, we've laid some stuff down. And um, we feel the Lord say, we, we were feeling there's a change coming for us. There's something that God wants to do. We feel like he wants to move us, and we know it's a small town. So we're thinking, that's good, Lord. We like small towns. We want to be in a small town because that's a nice idea. Because Cape Town's big, and we like people, so we want to know the people that we're around. And so we're praying into this, and we're thinking, well, that's lacquer. And so I'm chatting. My, my dad lives here in Stellenbosch, and uh, we're chatting, and uh, you know, he says, well, he'll help me start a business in Stellenbosch, and... Um, I'm, I'm in, and his house is open for a year. We can go stay in his house. And I'm thinking, well, that's amazing. This must be what the Lord is saying because it's a small town. Um, he's just opening doors right now. Like the doors are just flinging open. And, uh, and there's a good school for my kids. And there's a Josh Jen. So my wife and I are like, this must be the Lord. And we're getting so excited. And, and, and I mean, we love this place. It, for us, it would be like a full circle. We start here, so hardly serving the Lord. We go get sanctified well, and then we come back to Stellenbosch, and we're strong. And then we go and visit her parents in a place called Richards Bay. And, <laughs> and we used to go there often. Well, we still go there. We, I live there now. But, <laughs> and so we went there often back then because her parents lived there, lived there still. Got to fix my speech. And, uh, and we went there, but I, I'd never liked the place. I just thought, like, this place, there's lots of mines. It's basically like, is it, it's like Benoni, but by the sea. Okay. So, the industrial part. Okay. And, uh, and I used to think, man, I don't like this place. The people are weird. There's no culture. Like, we went to a wine farm this afternoon. I was thinking, there's so much culture here. The people are so well-dressed. This is amazing. And I think I've, I'm so used to that now that I, this is a shock for me. And even the way you guys are also well-dressed and so trending and all that stuff. And, and I go there and I'm such a snob that I'm thinking, yeah, I hate this place. I can't wait to go home. And this particular holiday at the end of that year, end of 2016, we go there and I'll never forget it. We're thinking, it's Stellenbosch. We can't wait to come here. And I'm there and we're at a spa. I'm buying some rolls, come out. And I see this person that normally would not be the person that you generally just suddenly feel love towards. And I see this lady, not dressed well, like she looks a bit odd. And I just suddenly feel the most incredible love for her. And my heart's like broken for her. And then I look at another guy and I'm like, my heart's just open towards this guy. And then I look at him and I'm like, oh God, what are you doing? Like, what is this? And then I'm like, no, but now this is worrying me. Because, Lord, I, I don't like this place, but I'm looking at these people, but I love these people with a love that I don't have. It's like a love that Jesus has put inside of me. And I'm like, oh, my word. And so I keep it quiet because I didn't want to tell my wife because 
we share everything, but that particular thing, I was just like, this is big. And, uh, and a week later, we're coming back from Mishawi, which is a small town, and I'm saying to my sweetheart, I felt the Lord, like, he's doing something in my heart, and I can't explain it to you, but this is what I'm feeling. And she bursts out crying, and she says, well, two weeks ago when we got here, the Lord started speaking to me. And I said, but what is this going to look like? I mean, what do we do in this place? You know, what do you, what, there's not a lot of work there, there really isn't. Uh, I mean, it's industrial. I'm not a tradesman, uh, uh, you know. But we know, and the more we start praying, the more we know that we know that we know that the Lord is calling us here. So much so that while we were there, our faith was so strong, I started phoning Andrew back home, and I said, listen, this is what I'm feeling. I don't know what's going on. I can't understand this. And they're praying, and elders back home are praying, and I'm, I'm saying, well, I'm still here for a few weeks. Can you tell me what you're feeling? And, and they're coming back, well, doesn't make sense to us, but you seem to have the faith for it, so we'll support you. And uh, we were so sure that while we were there that December holiday, our kids were with us. We enrolled them in the school while we were there because we didn't want to enroll them in a new year in Cape Town and take them out again and re-enroll them in a new school. That we left them with their grandparents for two months while we went back to Cape Town to pack up our house. And so we go back and we think, okay, God... <laughs> Cool, we're going to Richard's Bay. This is amazing. And then we go, and then we go, and long story short, just fast forwarding a little bit, we get there, I bought a business. In the meantime, the Lord made a way for that. It was amazing. But we still don't know why we're going. We still don't know why. We just know that we're going. And we go there, and we, we join a church, a seemingly healthy church, and within the first month to two months, we realize that what we know in terms of the way we do church is not normal. Because I'd grown up spiritually in this kind of environment, and I realized that it's not the norm. And there are some things that are not necessarily done well and not biblical. And I start laying awake at night at three o'clock in the morning thinking, God, what have I done? Brought my family across the country. We've left everything. We've left quite good jobs. We've left everything. What have we done? What now? And then, again, speaking to the guys back home, well, in Cape Town, guys, what must he do? They said, well, start a home group. And I think, well, okay, I've done that before. I'll start a home group. So we just invite people in the gym. And my wife invites some of her. She was a personal trainer then. And um, invites some of her clients. And we start a home group in our lounge in 2017, Feb, mid, middle Feb. And it grows, and it grows, and it grows, miraculously, really, because we, I mean, who are we? We know nothing. And it's growing so much that I'm starting to think, well, these people are asking us, they're not in church, they're getting saved, they're coming to home group every Wednesday, and they're starting to go, like, do churches not normally go to church on Sundays? Like, <laughs> what's wrong with our church? And they're starting to call it a church, but it's a home group, and to me, it's a home group. And, I'm, and I'm, now I'm phoning Andrew and I'm saying, listen here, these people are calling this thing a church. They want to know why I'd be meeting on Sundays. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and so I go to Cape Town. We have breakfast. And he says, well, maybe it's a church plant. Do you feel like it's a church plant? And I said, it makes sense that it could be a church plant. So who are you going to send? And he looks at me and he says, well, I think it's you. <laughs> I'm thinking, I have never been an elder in my life. I, uh, I've never sat in an elders meeting. I was never a deacon. I led a home group. Quite a good, successful one. But that's it. Never preached before. Never. Not once. And the guys pray about it. The elders in Cape Town pray about it. And for some reason, they thought it was a good idea. Felt the Lord was on it. And I'm now going, Lord, I've learned to let go of the things that I would like. I've now learned to let go of the things that I would like to see. So even the business I've got right now, Lord, it seems that you are busy doing something right now. So even though I've got a business that I purchased with money, that I've got to pay back, that I've got to be faithful with, even though I've got to do that, that thing now is secondary to what you are wanting to do. Because I've already learned now that I cannot be known as the one guy that owns this, I can't name the names and give advertising, that owns this franchise that operates in a gym that sells healthy food. Um, I can't be known as that guy. 
You guys don't know who it is, eh? And I can't be known as the owner of that guy and he leads the church. I've got to be known as the guy that is poured out for Jesus and passionate for Jesus. And I'm used by him in spite of himself, me self, and he's doing miracles. I've got to be known as that guy and I've learned that lesson. So I'm going, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I know I can't, but you can. And so my first preach ever, do you guys know when it was? The first Sunday meeting we ever had. And I joked when I, I was sharing this at the regional equip recently, my wife, bless her, she says, after the preach, she says, I'm so glad you're not terrible at preaching. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, she's not saying I was good. She's saying I was not terrible. And so now we joke, she says, now you preach almost good. So, and and it, was a, it was a radical thing. And I remember those early days just thinking, Lord, I still really don't know what I'm doing right now. I've got no clue. I don't know who you're going to add to us. There's no one like that believes in church the way we do, that sees it the same way. You say to them, fellowship, and they think you're talking about Lord of the Rings. And you say, like, um, you know, accountability, and they think you're talking finances. And let's, like, they've got no idea what we're talking about. And it's very hard. We've got to do all this stuff. But it's unbelievable how the Lord takes you when you absolutely cannot because He can and He does what you cannot, but because He can. And every single time, every time I'm faced with something that's like, oh, Lord, I can't do this. He goes, yeah, I kind of know that you can't. Like, and I, I want to say this to you guys this evening because we, we're laughing a lot and it's wonderful, but here's the thing. Don't pretend before the Lord that you can when He actually knows that you can't. Because he actually can't use you the way he wants to if you keep pretending before him that you can. Because he wants you to acknowledge that you can't. So that he can show you how he can. Do you get that? Stop pretending that you can. That's why I was even saying, you, even your worship, let your worship that's passionate match the way you're laying down your life at the feet of Jesus. Don't worship him passionately if you haven't done that. Worship him passionately out of a place where you've died to self. You've laid your life down so that he can establish what he wants to do in your life. Yes, I've really not looked at my notes. When last did you guys hear a Jim Elliot quote? You guys know who Jim Elliot is? No. Come on. Okay. Well, I only heard last week who he was. So, no, I've actually heard his quotes many times. Uncle Will quotes him quite often. But how's this quote? He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. How's that? He is no fool who gives what he actually cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What did Jesus say? If you cannot deny yourself, you cannot be my disciples. He asked them, give up everything that identifies you. He didn't say go resign your jobs. Don't go resign your jobs, but do not let it define you. That's the difference. And let me tell you this. This is a, a challenge you will face for the rest of your life. But learn how to win this battle now. Learn it now. It's something I face all the time still even even in what I'm doing right now, that I want to pick up my good ideas, I want to pick up the things that I think will work well, I want to pick up the things that I think will go well for me. I've got to go, oh, Jesus, I missed you. I'm so sorry. Let me just become aligned again with what you want. The thing is, that the more you learn how to, how to fight that thing, the quicker you can align yourself again with what the Lord wants to do and how He wants to establish His plans through your life. Is that Okay. All right, how long have I been going? So, we planted this church. It's gone well. I don't want to talk about that too much, unless I should. But we now, three congregations, seven elders, six, 17 deacons, many home groups. The Lord's provided for us in ways that you cannot even explain. <laughs> what? What was that? 
Oh. Um, that's still a long time. <laughs> Did you do that on purpose or just to mess with me? Okay. Okay. Is it a screensaver? Okay, I'll feel better. <laughs> so, uh, where was I now? Now I'm completely perplexed. Whatever. <laughs> and it's been amazing to see, but the, the, the one constant that's never changed is that I myself can never be found in what the Lord has called me to do. I'm still always found as a son in front of Jesus. And that never changes. Why, why did David strip himself of all of his garments? Got off his horse, when he was, went in front of the ark, dancing with all his might. Not because he had a good body. He did, apparently. He stripped himself of his kingly garments. He stripped himself of his identity because he wouldn't worship the Lord as King David. He wanted to worship the Lord as a son. Did you, did, have you ever seen that before? And for us, we can't come to the Lord as, hey, I'm this guy. Um, this is what I do. Go over my shoulder. Because he despises that. Because that's not what he called you out of or for. He didn't call you for what you can do. All right. So I wonder, I want to ask you this one thing quickly. What separates you tonight? Just in light of what I shared with you. And this is a tough one because I recently was challenged by the Lord in this as well. I think the one thing that we can ask ourselves every day is, as I go and study, as I go and lead a church, as I wake up in the morning, to pray for people, and as I go about my responsibilities and you about yours, what is it that differentiates me from the world, truly and honestly? Is it the fact that I go to church on a Sunday? Is it the fact that I pay my tithe, which you need to do? Is it the fact that I know how to worship? Is it the fact that, what is it that separates me from the world? And we recently, I don't know if you guys know, we we had a really terrible situation with looting happening in our region. We were affected by it quite badly. Um, and uh, everyone was fine, though, but it was pretty radical. And um, I'll never forget, there was a moment where people were lining up. Like, if you think the lines before COVID was bad, this was next level. People were lining up for five hours just to hopefully go and buy 20 items of food, not knowing when this is all going to end or if anything's going to change. And so they're lining up hopeless. Standing in a queue for five hours just to get to the front and the doors close. And I'll never forget, I was standing there. Uh, we, the church has got a coffee shop in one of the shopping centers there. And I was standing there and uh, I saw a guy walk past. He's a very wealthy property developer. Very wealthy. Walks past, he joins the queue. Stands there. And then another man walks past. I know him. Um, very poor. And I just happened to know him personally. He's standing behind this man. He's very wealthy. I'm thinking, right now, in this situation, what separates these two? Because now, no matter how much money you've got, it doesn't matter. Your, your status in life doesn't matter. Because right now, the both of you can only buy 20 items of food. You're standing in the same queue. You've got the same situation. And it was like the Lord immediately just hit it on my chest. What separates you? If you're going to go join that queue, what separates you from them? Because nothing in this life can separate you. It's got to be your life and your hope, and your passion in Jesus. It's got to be the fact that the Lord has called us to be the salt and the light to the world. And that what we do on the earth is done so lightly that we can always be the salt and the light to the world. That is what separates us. And we actually put a call out to our church. We said, guys, in faith, we said, guys, we've got food in our pantry. We didn't. Don't go stand in the queues. Don't give yourself over to panic and to fear. You know what the guys did? They took chairs from their homes to people standing in the queues, and they gave them chairs. They said, come sit down. They started ministering to people standing in the queues. They didn't join the queues. Didn't buy food for themselves. That's what they did. They became the salt and the light to those who had no hope. 
And that night, after I, and I felt, did feel it in the Lord, so don't, don't do this at home, okay? I felt the Lord say to me, he will provide for us. That night, a guy from, that owns a cash and carry, he phones up one of the congregants, um, people in our church, by the way, that's what it means, and he says, listen, I've got a cash and carry. My armed guards are going to be there tonight at 9 o'clock. I know you are involved in a church. I don't know if you guys are okay or not, but bring your guys and you guys come shop on your own as much as you want. So they open it up just for us. Send some of our deacons, and just like that, our pantry is stocked. We didn't have a pantry stocked, by the way, when I said to the church, guys, let's trust the Lord. He will help us. Don't give yourself over to fear and to panic. But I want to ask you tonight, what separates you? Maybe some of us tonight have picked up areas of our lives. Maybe, you know, even now your exams, I could just imagine. Right now, that's everything. That's your whole life. And for good reason. You've got to pass your stuff. But you can so easily go from exam to exam to exam to exam, and that becomes your life. Come land this meeting, bro. You want me to land? Okay. So I'd love actually for us to respond tonight. If you feel like you want to. But not maybe like you want to, but you should. Because I had a moment many years ago where I said to the Lord, Lord, whatever you've got for me, whether it's what I plan or what you plan, whether my plans match up with your plans or not, it doesn't matter. Whatever you've got for me, Lord, that's okay for me. Whether you call me to, to stay here for the rest of my life or to go stay in Benoni for the rest of my life. If that's your plans, I will do it because it's your plans. And you'll establish your plans. And that's good enough for me. Maybe some of us have realized tonight we've been doing this with our plans. We need to start opening our hands to Jesus. So maybe we can all stand and I'd love to pray for us. Thank you, God. Let's just close our eyes. Thank you, Jesus, for, for your incredible mercy towards us, Lord. Just maybe just while I'm praying, just you in your own way, in your own time, just surrender yourself, your heart to the Lord. If he's speaking to you right now, just do whatever you want to do, whether you want to raise your hands to him or whatever you want to do to gesture your surrender to Jesus right now, whatever you, way you want to do that right now. Father, you're so merciful so gracious towards us, Lord, that even the day you saved us and you speak such hope over us, and even when we go from that place and we pick up parts of our lives again, Lord, you are so merciful towards us again. I thank you, Lord, that even tonight you're speaking to us. You're speaking to me even, Lord, as I'm bringing this message. Jesus, you, as you called your disciples, Lord, tonight you're calling your disciples. You are calling men and women tonight, Jesus, to say, leave your nets. Leave the things that identify you. Just come and follow me. I feel like the Lord wanting to instill hope again. And maybe faith as well, because they go together. They go together. Maybe there was some hope that was lost, and therefore your faith has been lost. That the Lord's got it. I feel like tonight the Lord's saying to you, He's got it. It might not be what you think it's going to be, but he's got it. He's got you and he's got it. I feel like there are some that have maybe just been disappointed in some ways and in their plans and their futures. And they feel like, man, I don't know if I can trust the Lord right now. And you realize that you've taken a hold of some stuff in your life and your future. And the Lord's saying, just trust me. I've got it. Maybe if that's you tonight, I'd love for you to raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you. I feel like the Lord wants to do something supernatural in you tonight. I feel like the Lord wants to bring that sense of contentment over you tonight. In fact, if you desire a godly contentment in the Lord tonight, one that's not found in your finances, not found in your studies, it's not found in your future, it's not found in your marks, it's not found in your personality, it's not found in your parents or your address, it's found in the fact that Jesus has a future for you. And He knows what it is, and you might not. And that's okay. If you've got a desire tonight for that thing to be instilled in your heart, I want to ask you to raise your hand with me. 
I want to pray over you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I thank you for these hands, these surrendered hearts to you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that no matter whether we know or not, you know. Lord, I thank you that whether it's our plans or your plans, God, we desire your plans. If you agree with me, just pray with me. Father, we desire your plans, your ways, Lord. We want your heart, Jesus. Lord, we want to look at people. We want our hearts burning for them, Lord. Lord, we want to look in spite of what we see in our futures. We want our hearts just burning for people and and, and the world, Lord, that you've sent your son to die for, Lord. And we don't want our careers to stand in the way of that, Lord, or our identities or our security or our comforts, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you want to be used by Jesus tonight, but you're scared of of the uncomfortable, oh, I want to say, Lord, Let's pray to the Lord. Lord Jesus, would you help me have faith for the uncomfortable? I want to be uncomfortable for you, Jesus. I want more of you, Jesus. I want more of you, Jesus. And I'm willing to be uncomfortable for you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Maybe just for a few minutes, just in your own words, just lift your voices to Jesus. Just worship Him for what He's just established in your heart. We worship you, God. We worship you, Lord. You are the one true King, Lord. Nothing in this world we want to give ourselves to, Lord Jesus. You are the one true God. Come, Jesus, just in your own words, just lift your voice to the Lord. Just open your hearts to Him. Come, Jesus. We worship you, Lord.